I, I would say what you really have to look at now, I would be less concerned about the fossil fuels and that volatility. I'd be watching very carefully on immigration and COVID because COVID is really you know, locked a lot of economies down, like not just Canada, the United States, uh, any, any, most countries are not bringing in immigration. Well, it's okay if you're a country that has too much population, but countries like Canada and even the United States need immigration to prosper. And, you know, so I would, I would say Canada's doing a better job with, with the vaccine rollout. And I'd even suggest to you, some of your some of your future guests you should bring on are are should be like an immigration lawyer and you should be talking to someone in immigration are you a real estate investor looking to sharpen your skills or a newbie looking to become one you're in the right place welcome to where should i invest real estate investing in canada with your host sarah larvey Welcome back. It's Sarah Larvey. You are listening to Where Should I Invest? Today's guest is Rick Harris from Alberta, Canada. And we talk about the province, but also different steps on how to grow your portfolio and build your wealth and different strategies. But his preference is buy and hold. And so you do want to listen to this to find out why. This is a great episode. And by the way, if you haven't registered and you would like to come to our retreats August 9th, 10th, and 11th in Kobukonk, Ontario at the Inspire Beach Resort that I am working on building with Harry James and Joe Ferrara, the partners. We are doing something really cool. We're going to have an upscale resort, but if you do want to come to the retreat, it is all inclusive. Everything is included. We're going to have amazing speakers, content, networking, and uh, great food and drinks and boat rides and all that good stuff. Send me a message either at Instagram, which is investor Sarah Larby, or email sarah at sarahlarby.com. Let's bring in Rick, and I hope you guys enjoy the show. Rick, welcome to the show. How are you? Good, Sarah. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. So give us a little bit of background, you know, how you got started in real estate investing and, uh, and what you do today. Great, great. So you know what? Uh, I came to real estate... Um, actually from reading a book and that'll when you ask me about my favorite real estate book i'll tell you all about that book so uh so i, I read a book and believe it or not most people read a book and uh, you can see behind me there's i got zillions of books and a lot of times you don't take any action but this one i did and i actually bought two pieces of property from reading the book and uh so that took me on a quite a long journey. I've been uh, investing in real estate for over 20 years now and had a corporate job for a long, long time. So um, again, I, I talk about it in my book that uh, don't give up your day job. Um, I'm one of those firm believers that uh, people should keep their day job. Uh, it, uh, the banks look a lot more favorable on you when you have cash coming in and it's a, a reliable source of cash. And, um, and then you can really get your um, investment portfolio well underway. Okay, so you, you bought two properties, you've been investing for 20 plus years. What is your main strategy? Is it buy and hold? Is it flipping? Is it, you know, what is it? Thanks for asking. So it's primarily buy and hold. And um, it's funny when I think back, you know, I started in 2000 and some people might be shaking in their boots when they hear about starting in 
investing in 2007, 2008, just as the, the crash, uh, subprime crash was coming, but that's when I started and um, got right into it. And, uh, and away we went. And, and uh, I had uh, met a few people through um, a real estate investing organization. And, and then, I, then I started developing my education in real estate investing. Because, like I said, the, my only education was reading this one book and, and away I went. So then I thought, boy, I better get some more education in this stuff. So that's what I went and did. Awesome. So buy, and, so buy and hold. And where, where was it that you were focusing on or where is it that you focus on? Is it, is it somewhere specific in Canada? Is it? Yeah. Canada? So I, we actually um, bought in three marketplaces. We bought in um, Red Deer, which is uh, right in the smack in the middle between Calgary and Edmonton. And then we bought in Edmonton. And then also my wife and I bought a uh, investment um, property in Canmore, Alberta. It was a recreational property. So uh, that's definitely a different experience altogether. So I I actually just bought a recreational property. Well, it's land and it's going to be a resort. What, What kind of recreational property did you buy? So we bought uh, we bought a condo in a um, a large complex in Canmore, uh, almost right smack in the middle of uh, downtown Canmore, and um, of course it was zoned for short term vacation rental, so we could rent it anywhere from three three days to a month, whatever we chose. Mm-hmm. So um, definitely uh, quite the experience when we started back then. There was no such thing as Airbnb or VRBO or HomeAway or any of that. Um, those things came probably about five years later and turned out to be a godsend, actually. Mm-hmm. So definitely a lot of fun from that aspect of it. Absolutely. So now are you out in, in Alberta? Is that where you're also residing as well? As, you as bet. So I live in um, a city called St. Albert, and it's just outside of Edmonton. Like you can put one leg in St. Albert, one leg in Edmonton. So <laughs> you can straddle the border. Awesome. So, you know, I'm, I'm a big proponent in, in doing due diligence and, and ensuring that, you know, each market has, you know, certain fundamentals that it meets, but every market has some downside as well. Maybe talk to us a little bit about Alberta and, and some markets that, that you think are, you know, in 2021, 2022 worth, worth looking into and then potentially some downsides, obviously with, you know, with what's happening, uh, Alberta, you know, has, has much quicker market cycles than Ontario as an example. Um, can you, you shed bet. some light on that? Sure, sure. And just so, so you know, when I first started investment real estate, I had like almost like a false start because I bought my first property in Kitchener, Ontario. I was living in Cambridge, Ontario at the time. So I'm familiar with that marketplace also, but that's a different story. So in Alberta, I, the big thing is, of course, a lot of it's tied to energy and the energy prices and it can be very volatile. And of course, that uh, definitely created uh, some angst in the province. But if you read the latest RBC uh, talks about um, who they see leading growth next year, and it's, it's definitely the province of Alberta, I think there's some lessons that have been learned because, you, I mean, you hear about this whole green movement towards green technology and all that. But if you also listen closely, uh, the consumption of um, of fossil fuels is still going up. 
uh, people think somehow they've magically created this uh, or worldwide organization. They got this magic wand and they've tapped the uh, tapped the fossil fuels and they've all disappeared. Well, that's not true. It's probably, I don't know, 30, 40, 50 years that fossil fuels will still be necessary for the world as it shifts. And the neat thing about um, Alberta now is the trailing ponds that they get from when they extract the oil are actually bringing up the materials that are used in making electric batteries and stuff like that. So I would say to anyone watching in the next five to 10 years, there'll be a lot of resources besides uh, fossil fuels coming out of Alberta for the materials needed to make those batteries for electric cars and all that kind of good stuff. So it, it, you're, just, you're gonna see a shift, but it, you know, Alberta at the end of the day is an energy province. Right. I mean, and, and that's and that's a potential risk, right? So you kind of have to weigh the pros and cons. I think Alberta is great from like a landlord tenant perspective. It's definitely more balanced than Ontario, but there are, you know, more risks because you're, you're looking at like one or two major industries that cover a very, very large portion of jobs and, and people moving into that city and staying in that city. Can I ask like what happened, you know, I think it was 2017 that there was that maybe actually no 2015 that there was that oil and gas slide. And uh, I remember cause I was working in, in the corporate world back then and I had clients and I was, I was covering Canada from a distributor standpoint and the companies that, that I was managing in Ontario were, were doing totally fine. But then you go to Atlantic Canada and then you go to like Alberta, they were suffering and like, I mean, it was a different industry altogether, but that was the big thing is, is people were laying off jobs were shrinking, there was a big issue. So maybe just like for, for those that may not have heard of it or, or know about it, if you could just give us a background on, on that, what happened and, and you know, what the, that affected. Great question. And then you know what, Sarah, if you look at the price of oil, it was, I think right in, in the heyday, just before the subprime, or even a, actually, actually even after the subprime crisis, oil climbed up to around $100 a barrel. Um, which was unbelievable. And uh, of course, that was creating a lot of jobs. A lot of Eastern folk were moving from um, Ontario, from Quebec, from, from all the Eastern uh, East Coast provinces, and they were going up to Fort McMurray. And anything to do with, uh, with oil and gas, people were moving out here and getting great jobs. I mean, WestJet and, and Air Canada were, were making special flights to uh, provinces like Newfoundland. It, it was unbelievable. And then the prices dropped and dropped big time. And, and you know, they went down to like under $30 a barrel and even lower. And I think if you remember, and this is, this is actually only a couple of years ago, um, when this whole COVID crisis hit, Oil went negative. Nobody had ever heard that in, in their entire life. And um, of, co of course, COVID caused a lot of issues. But look, look at what's going on today. Oil's around 70. I know Friday, the stock market had a little bit of a crash. Oil dropped from $80 to $70. But now, if you look today, it's back up almost to $75. So I, I would say to you that... Mm, I'd be very careful in being too overly concerned about um, 
the resources and it, and it being volatile. I see less volatility coming up in Alberta. And that's why I think RBC's got Alberta leading the way next year in, in provincial growth. Um, and that'll be a big part of it. Mm -hmm. And as, and like I said to you earlier, as it, as there's a shift to green energy, you're going to find there's going to be resources being mined to help grow that part of the industry also. So I think it's, it's provinces that can really, or economies, world economies that can balance that shift between, you know, uh, fossil fuel and the movement towards greener energy. That's, mm -hmm. that's going to be the real trick. And yeah. uh, I mean, that's why I see it. I mean, I think that goes back to like buy for cash flow, figure out what the vacancy rate is out there, figure out what the vacancy rate out there was when shit hit the fan and yes. <laughs> all of a sudden, uh, you know, oil and gas dropped because that those are, you know, those are numbers. I, I would say what you really have to look at now, I, I would be less concerned about the fossil fuels and that volatility. I'd be, I'd be watching very carefully on immigration okay. uh, and COVID because COVID is really, uh, you know, locked a lot of economies down, like not just Canada, the United States, yep. uh, any, any, most countries are not bringing in immigration. Well, it's okay if you're a country that has too much population, but countries like Canada and even the United States need immigration to prosper. And, you know, so I would, I would say Canada's doing a better job with, with the vaccine rollout. And I'd even suggest to you, some of your, some of your future guests you should bring on are, are, should be like an immigration lawyer and you should be talking to someone in immigration because for potential uh, investors, whether you're a brand new investor thinking of getting in or right now an investor who's um, got a good portfolio. I'll tell you right now, we're going to let in, we're going to open up the floodgates. We haven't let in a quarter of a million a quarter of a million people for the last two years, Sarah. And you know what's going to happen? We're going to open it up and we're going to have like 500,000 to 750,000 people rushing into Canada. And where are they going to live? And now we're going to take a quick break to hear from one of our sponsors. I want to take a quick pause from the podcast to introduce you to some of my amazing contractors on this week's episode. I wanted to introduce you to Rob and Joel from White's Elm Design Build. And Rob and Joel just finished my major renovations on my latest Burlington project. And it was a full renovation and absolutely worth it. They've been super easy to work with. I wanted to give you guys some insights on some of the services that they offer their clients and they focus on Oakville to Hamilton and beyond, but they're really great. Like if you guys are ever in a property and you want to FaceTime or video call Rob or Joel, they can actually give you some insights on what to look for and also how much we are looking at renovations. Because if you're thinking about doing a flip 
or a burr project, the rhino part is really important to get right to also figure out how much it's going to cost and what rhinos are going to be needed to get the actual maximum after repair value. So super important. They will gladly do these video calls or conference calls with you guys to give you some of those insights. They're really good at getting back to clients quickly. They can also do physical walkthroughs. If you guys are thinking about purchasing a property or you have it under contract, they can do that with you. They're super professional and uh, they've been very involved in my latest project and uh, really on the ball. So super easy to communicate with. They finished on time, on budget, which is really important as we know. And they've got a whole team of trades. They line them up so that they're as efficient as possible. And they work with a lot of investors, but they also do some of the higher end flip types of projects too. So they work on everything in between. They're fully licensed, insured, WSIB covered. So feel free to reach out to them. They are able to be found at whiteelmdesignbuild.com. That is whiteelmdesignbuild.com. Or you can send them an email, joel, J-O-E-L, at white elmdesignbuild.com or rob at whiteelmdesignbuild.com. Good luck on your next projects. Now back to the show. Yeah, I think actually the number was, that I read was 1.2 million once they once they opened up. And yeah, I, I don't know where they're going to live because you know I'm I'm looking at the vacancy rates even in Ontario and they're sub one percent. So I don't right. know I don't know what that's going to look like. And it, it's going to be a crisis. It, it is. Uh, you know what? For, you know I know. Uh, like just mark my words the nice thing about a podcast people can listen back mark my words the moment they open up um the borders to immigration we're gonna we're gonna have a housing crisis like you've never seen and so i'm just saying to anyone who's thinking about getting into investment real estate get in now when first of all you can lock in a low interest rate on mortgages and second of all there's some marketplaces like there's certain places in Western Canada, for example, I would definitely be looking at and um, looking to purchase in while you can while you can get them in at a reasonable um, rate of return and to your point still cash flow because if you can cash flow in Alberta now, mm -hmm. think about what's going to happen in a year or two when all of a sudden the floodgates are open. So I'll tell you what I like about Alberta, because I, I think there's pros and cons to every market, but I do like the landlord and tenant rules that are more favorable. And I don't think that there's rent control over there, you know, and, no. and, and there's, there's pros and cons to all of that stuff. Um, you so you talked about areas. Do you mind sharing like some of your top three areas in Alberta that you think people should start to look at? Yeah, I would definitely uh, look at, I would look at Calgary. Uh, I would definitely look at Edmonton and then, watch for some people call it the Doppler effect where you actually, it ripples out. I would, I would watch, I'd still look up in Fort McMurray. Uh, prices have come down considerably from the heyday, but if, if oil is up around $70 and climbing, and the other thing that people forget about is right now, Canada only has one customer for our oil. You know who that is? Who is it? The United States. But once the Trans uh, Mountain Pipeline is finished, which will be uh, late next year, 
we're going to have you like you know what if you really want to do some research research the trans canada uh mountain pipeline look at the work that we've done as a nation it is unbelievable talk about safety protocols i mean we're the safest uh country in the world people should be buying they should be tripping over us to buy our oil they really should and they don't and they should and what's going to happen is when they open up trans mountain all the way to the west coast and they start pumping it out they have already built these huge docks to bring the uh, boats in. Well, we're gonna start exporting to China, India, all over the world. Well, guess what? We're gonna go from getting what the Americans are happy to pay us to world prices. Well, you, ask yourself what's gonna happen if we start getting world pri prices for our oil. It's gonna be unbelievable what it's gonna do to the jobs in Saskatchewan, Manitoba, and Alberta, BC, and on top of that, there's always this whole ripple effect back to Ontario and Quebec, because there's a lot of industries that support the oil and gas industry, and all, and that'll create more jobs. Um, it's just gonna be unbelievable. So mark my words, I figure about two years when we're getting um, world prices for our oil, we'll look a little different. Yeah, like that's what you said about the podcast, right? You can go back and you can listen to it and you can, you know. See Absolutely. <laughs> Sounds good. So you wrote a book. Okay, let's, let's kind of shift a little bit. Talk sure. about your book and, and what that's all about. Thank you. So um, the name of my book is 31 Days to Purchasing and Renting Your First Investment Real Estate Property. And I know you mentioned a, a lot of your guests are already involved in investment real estate and I always suggest to people, because it's funny, when, when, I, when I'm a guest on a podcast or people are talking to me about investment real estate, they always say, oh, you know what? I wish I could get my, my son or my daughter or my, my friend Jack or my uncle Albert or my aunt Muriel or somebody to realize they should have investment real estate in their portfolio. And... Um, so I really think my book would be one of those, those reads that would, you could give, a, give us a gift and it would be invaluable because if you're having trouble making that connection or, or conversation, the communication just isn't flowing the way you want because there's some sort of resistance, then I think my book would be a good one uh, to give away and it, it, it just opens the door to the conversation. and. What's interesting is the investment real estate market in Canada and the United States for that matter, it's a pretty small market. And what I mean by that, in Canada, I think it's about 4% of Canadians actually own investment real estate. 4%, Sarah, that's it. Mm -hmm. So that's 96% of people do not own investment real estate. In the States, it's double that. It's about 8%. Right. But still, we're talking very low numbers. So if we're all fishing for the same listener or customer, or, um, it's a small market. So you, to me, you need people like myself talking about getting involved in your first property. Um, a lot of us should be focused on that because there's just not enough of us in the marketplace. And I got to tell you, I'm a... Um, 
I'm the recipient of great landlords. And what I mean by that is when I was young, my dad was in the armed forces. And for the first 21 years of my life, my mom and dad rented. And if we didn't have good landlords who bought investment real estate to rent, we, would, we as a family would not have had anywhere to live. Mm -hmm. And you know what? There's still lots of people like that. So I'm just saying that the opportunities, I, and I, I think being a landlord is a, is, is, an, is a noble profession. You know, you should really think about, it's a way to give back to the community. Mm -hmm. And it helps your community. And what I mean by that is I talk about uh, having a legacy uh, in my book. It's one of my principles in my book. Mm -hmm. It's about, you know, leaving, leaving something behind for your, your family, for your children or grandchildren. You know, it's, it's, just a, it's just an awesome thing to do. And it's also, you can make it a living legacy and get them involved. Get your children. Like some of our joint venture partners are my children. We got them involved. And now, I mean, we're, we've got properties that are four to seven years away from having no mortgages. Well, they're, they're, they're going to be still very young mm -hmm. and they're going to have properties that they have partial ownership in with no mortgages. Think about that for a moment. And now we're going to take a quick break to hear from one of our sponsors. Hey everyone, I just wanted to pause and share with you a financing tip that helped me scale my portfolio and can also help you as well. By working with Streetwise Mortgages, I took a strategic goals-based versus a transactional approach to financing and they've helped me develop a financing roadmap that aligned with my goals and gave me some crystal clear clarity on where the money will come from to grow, how to maximize my borrowing power, how to structure future deals and avoid some costly mistakes, saving me thousands along the way. The financing roadmap is complimentary for every client who works with Streetwise and also very recently, they've offered an additional summary report of the best to invest 18 Ontario markets and also a comprehensive deep dive research into a market of your choice out of those 18. I highly recommend that you take them up on that offer. If you're looking to grow your portfolio, to book a planning session and develop your financing roadmap, email info at streetwisemortgages.com. That is info at streetwisemortgages.com. Thanks for listening. And now back to the show. And now back to the show. That's amazing. I mean, obviously, if you can involve the kids early on, then, uh, you know, and then they can, they can take the business and they can, like you said, leave a legacy for, for their kids and so forth. I think, it, I think that's cool, you know, and, and let's not also hide the fact that like you can retire yourself earlier and, and, you know, create wealth that you probably can't in many other avenues. And it is definitely a, a great way to, uh, to quit your job and to, to get that freedom a lot faster. So. Absolutely. And you know what, Sarah, if you have a look around, people aren't, aren't just retiring anymore. And, and, you know, the reason I, I say that to you is, first of all, I have, I have friends who are, re, who are retired, and, but they're, they're actually still, a lot of them will go and get jobs and just say, oh, well, why would they do that? Well, because they want to travel the world and they want to go on these twenty-five dollars or $30,000 world cruises or, you know, on, um, throughout the world. I've got some friends of ours who... Um, in February are going on a five week world cruise and they went back to work during the summer when they came back to Canada so they could make enough money 
to pay for the cruise. Mm -hmm. So you're seeing that change in dynamic. But think if you would have had, they would have bought, they would have had a, a, um, a real estate portfolio that was actually paying them uh, every month. I think about myself, you know what? Uh, it won't be long till I'll be getting a raise. Can you imagine I'm getting older? I'm actually going to get a raise. You say, what? Well, when you, when you pay off your mortgages on your investments, you give yourself a raise. So it's, it's pretty incredible what happens. Mm -hmm. And the other thing is, you know what? My grandfather's one, one retired at 65 and passed away by 66. And the other one, I don't even think he, he was 67. So they, they didn't get to enjoy their retirement. Right. And now people are living much longer. And um, so I don't think people are rushing as quickly to retire. They're just trying to find a way to maybe um, do some things differently. I think, it's, you, I think it's the freedom, right? Like, like you're talking about, it's the freedom to be able to choose what you want to do with your time. You know, because like, I mean, I retired from my nine to five job, but I'm still doing stuff. I have goals. I have, and you don't want to be, you know, especially if you're, if you're, you know, you've got lots of time left, you, you want to still do things and enjoy and then create challenges and, and grow. And uh, absolutely, you know, you absolutely. Only, you only lay on the beach tanning for a certain amount of time before that gets boring. That's right. That's right. <laughs> the freedom that it creates that I think is important and not having to work for somebody else forever. Awesome. So Rick, the next part of the podcast is our lightning round. I'm going to ask you five questions. Everybody gets the same ones. You're going to give me the first answer that comes to mind. Are you ready? Sure. Fire away. This week's lightning round is brought to you by Complete Properties. If you need a great property manager to help you in the Niagara, Hamilton, and Burlington markets, reach out to Margaret Cameron at 905-920-7886. She can also be reached at margaret at completepminc.com via email or the website completepropertiesinc.com. All right. So question number one, what is your favorite real estate investing book? I think you mentioned the book in the beginning. So which one is it? Sure. So the, the book, uh, and I think it's still Canada's number one selling uh, investment book. It's uh, Real Estate Investing in Canada by uh, Don R. Campbell. Mm -hmm. He helped found Rain, the Real Estate Net, uh, Investing Network. Yep. Don was on my podcast uh, early on. He's, he's awesome. All right. Number two, I don't know if you listen to podcasts, but if you do, and this doesn't have to be real estate in particular, do you have a favorite podcast? So just so you know, I think I have 14 or 15 podcasts I listen to. Oh, wow. Okay. I, rotate, I rotate them out. It's unbelievable. So I, some come in, some go out. So when I started listening to yours, somebody went bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I'm enjoying yours. I listen to about six investment real estate podcasts. Some are in the States, some are in Canada. So I won't mention those. But I do, one of, one of the folks I listen to, it's called the Wealthy Speaker Podcast. And it's a gal, um, her name is Jane Atkinson. She's out of London, Ontario. Does a fantastic job because she really brings on a lot of people that'll inspire you beyond wanting to be a, a wealthy speaker. And the other one that I listen to on a regular basis is the Everyday Millionaire. Mm -hmm. And um, that's uh, hosted by uh, Patrick Franzi. I'm not yeah. sure if you're familiar with Patrick. Yep. He's part of Rain as well, isn't he? He is. He is. So, uh, yeah. And uh, so th those are a couple of the ones I would definitely, because the thing I like about Patrick's, even though he's involved with Rain, he brings on guests that are 
pretty diverse in what they're doing. So it's just not about investment real estate. Okay. All right. Very cool. Number three, what do you do for fun aside from real estate? Uh, boy, I do a lot. So uh, the biggest thing is I'm heavily involved with my grandkids. I have five grandkids, believe it or not. Nice. And I've got, got them all skiing and I've got them all golfing. And uh, recently, um, because now I've, I've written a book, so I know the whole process of how to getting it published and edited and all that. Um, I wrote a, a children's book with my oldest granddaughter and we, uh, I just had it edited and we're just working on getting it illustrated. So oh, well, nice. Congrats. Yeah. So that a lot of fun uh, that way. So that keeps me young. Very nice. <laughs> For Very sure. Good. Number four, if you lost everything tomorrow, your money, your assets, your properties, how would you start again? Ah, great question. You know, I, I thought about this for a while because I, I, of course, listened to your podcast. And the, the thing that I would do, do if I st could start all over again, take out that magic wand, is I would definitely buy a bungalow as my first home. And I would put a legal suite in the, in the basement. The thing that I would do if I was single, and this is where I hope I'm talking to some of your, your audience, is if I was single, I would live in the basement suite. I would rent out the upper suite. And of course, Sarah, you probably know why I'm saying that. Yeah, there's more, there's more, more money on the top floor than the basement. You betcha. And the other thing I do, and I talk about this in my my book, it's a technique I call Uber time. And what Uber time is, is that I would, I would go and get another job. So I'd have my career job, I would go get another part-time job, and I would take all that money, and I would feed the beast. I would feed the mortgage, I'd pay it down as quickly as I possibly could, uh, and, um, and just keep that, the equity growing in that property. Um, and then eventually you could, uh, move yourself out by your own, your own property remortgage. I know, I know you've talked to your, some of your guests about doing the, those type of techniques. So all those kind of things, but that's what I would do if I could take a magic wand and start all over again. Yeah. I think house hacking is cool. The only thing I would just say is if you're on, in Ontario right now, and this still stands when you're listening to this is that in, as of November 15th of 2018, anything built afterwards, including basement, this doesn't apply to Western Canada, but including basements uh, that are new and non-existing, you can raise rent and you're not subject to rent control. So I think for some people in Ontario, it could make more sense for them to live upstairs and then rent out the basement and then they can at least increase rents to market each year. So just okay. food for thought. I think both could- No, I'm glad, you know, every market's different for, yeah, sure. for sure. You're absolutely right. And, and, and probably three, four years ago, I would, I would agree with you that, you know, you always, you know, to make more money, obviously it's going to be upstairs. And I think you'll probably from initially, you'll probably, you know, make more money if you live in the basement. I think in the long run, you can reset back, you know. Right. And you know what, Sarah, you talk about your t power team. In my book, I, I talk about what I call team real and real stands for uh, real estate advisory league and I, I you know you you can't go into investment real estate um, independently what I mean by that is an individual you need a team and if you have a good team and because you, you have to know things like you just talked about where maybe you're better off to not 
to to live on the upstairs and rent the downstairs, depending on yeah, again on the, the marketplace. <laughs> and if you got a good team, you'd you'd know that, right? Sure, you won't absolutely. you wouldn't make that mistake. Absolutely. Okay. Last question. Number five, if somebody has $50,000, how do you think they can best spend it to get started? Ah, I'm all about taking advantage of cheap money and found money. And what I mean by that is, I'll give you an, an example. So if I, if I had $50,000, I would definitely buy a bungalow. I would put a, or I would buy a duplex, depending on what marketplace you're in. If I could get if I, it was a first time home buyer, you can get cheap money. Cause as we know, we can get five or 10% down going in. So that gives you lots of flexibility. The other thing, and this is based on a, a true story. My daughter, her uh, first um, relationship came to an end and they had a house. And um, anyway, she sold the house, but she needed to, she, she had, she was a single mother. Uh, so what she did is she took her money she, excuse me, she bought a bungalow. She put a uh, legal suite in the basement. What was really incredible at the time, the city of St. Albert and the city of Edmonton was doing the same thing. So again, you need to do your research, but they were giving out grants. So my daughter, it cost her $33,000 to put a legal suite in her basement. Now, Sarah, part of the work was already done, but it was 33000 The city of St. Albert gave her $15,000. And as long as she kept the home in the suite in, the, in a rental program for five years, she didn't have to repay any of that money. $15,000. And she said to me, Dad, five years? Are you crazy? Well, guess what? Five years went by in a blur, and she said, that was the fastest five years of my life. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, that's the whole thing is that, that's all I'm talking about is that's what I would do and, and take advantage of. You, you need to do your research, you know, find out what's available to you. And I think people would be really surprised at money that's out, that, out there that's available for them to invest in real estate. Okay. Awesome. Rick, thank you for playing the lightning round. Where can my listeners reach out and find out more? So you can go to my website, which is uh, vault to investment real estate success.com and vault and two, the, the word two is a separate word. So it's not one T it's two T's. So just so you know about that. And, um, yeah, that would be great. And you, you can go there uh, and you'll see just a wealth of information on investment real estate. And um, it's something I really have a, a strong passion for. So no, no doubt about it. Amazing. And you know what? I'm glad there's people like you out there, uh, you know, publishing podcasts and bringing on diversity of guests and ideas because there's so many different ideas in investment real estate. Absolutely. Rick, it's just not a cut, cookie cutter type it's thing. Not, it's not cookie cutter. Lots of ideas, lots of strategies. Rick, thank you for being on the show. It was a pleasure having you on. Thanks for sharing your insights. You're welcome. Thanks, Sarah. Hey guys, before you go, I wanted to ask you a question. What's stopping you from starting or growing your own real estate investment portfolio? I know for me, before I started, I had plenty of reasons. And at the time, they all seemed very valid. But as I started my journey, these reasons slowly fell away and eventually only one reason remained. 
What was actually stopping me was having a proven, actionable, repeatable system. I didn't have that. And the way that was going to change was by investing in myself, learning, listening, and looking for ways that worked. And also, most importantly, discovering what didn't and not making those mistakes again. Fast forward to today, I now have a proven, repeatable series of action steps that has enabled me to build my seven-figure portfolio consisting of multiple homes, and I'm able to manage that in two to three hours a month. Is that something that you would want? Well, I've actually taken all the knowledge I've accumulated and put that into a comprehensive step-by-step online program. It's called Rise, and it's a program that will help you from where you are now to where you want to be faster and with less of the headaches that I had. So it consists of all the templates and the resources that I use, plus over 40 instructional videos that you get lifetime access to for just a small one-time investment. And you know, my recommendation is to make the time now to invest in yourself and grow your portfolio to seven figures so that you can bring your retirement dreams closer. If you want some more information about Rise, just go to sarahlarby.com forward slash R-I-S-E to access more details and book your spot. Thanks so much for listening to Where Should I Invest with your host, Sarah Larby. Make sure to listen in next time. We'll catch you on the next episode of Where Should I Invest.